is an avalanche bigger than a flood? Like what's what's <laughs> big, tsunami? Monsoon, monsoon, so, tsunami. <laughs> This is Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of bourbon, bringing to you the best in news, reviews, and interviews with people making the bourbon whiskey industry happen. And I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Coleman. The stock market and the bourbon market, they share one thing in common. They're both impossible to time. So if you get in early enough, maybe you don't have to wait 10 years to make a return on your investment. But if you're too late, then you could potentially see a decline. However, in bourbon, there seems to be one person that has timing working in his favor, and that's Dixon Deadman. We invite Dixon Deadman to come on the show for a third appearance to talk about a few things, because it seems like his timing is always perfect. He sold Kentucky out of Stoli after being on the market for a short period of time. But now that he's officially done with Kentucky Owl, we ask him about how he feels about it and what he learned through the process. After leaving Stoli, he worked with the Brindiamo Group, who we also had in the podcast back on episode 182, and he worked for them for a short period of time where he got an inside glimpse into brand and investment consulting. And now he's launching his own brand called 2XO, which is perfect in this current climate when bourbon is hot and double barreling might even be hotter. Well, with that, enjoy this week's episode. And now here's Fred Minnick with Above the Char. I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char. This week's idea comes from Stephen Hill, who writes me on fredminnick.com. My buddy is 65 and noses his whiskey in a very strange way. He puts a couple drops in his hand and rubs his hands together, then cups them over his nose. Have you ever seen or heard of this method? If so, do you think it's more effective than nosing a glass? Uh, Stephen, great question. This is indeed a very common practice, uh, but you don't really see it a whole lot after the whiskey's off the steel. In other words, you don't see it at the consumer level. This is a practice that's used uh, frequently in the trade, especially in the still house. So what happens is they get the whiskey and off the still, it's new make, right? They put it on their hands, they rub it together. It kind of gives them a feel for the whiskey, but then they bring the, their hands in together after going, and they smell it. And you do, you really do get a sense of the, uh, of the fatty acids and oils, and you can smell the aroma quite well in your hands. The only reason why I don't really practice that or even like doing that at the distillery is, you know, if you taste as much as I do, it will dry out your hands, you know? So this is a little kind of a personal thing that you all probably don't need to know. I'll tell you anyway. And so my skin's really sensitive. Uh, when I was in Iraq, I was around a lot of chemicals and burn pits and all veterans know that story, but we have a lot of veterans from, uh, from the Gulf Wars. We have a, a lot of skin issues. Uh, so I don't like putting alcohol on your hands because it dries them out quicker. And I'm certainly more sensitive to that than uh, normal folk. But uh, th- that being said, that practice is not actually that unusual. It's pretty common, but it's mostly done inside the still house. And I hope that answers your question well, Stephen, but your friend is not a weirdo. He's just uh, practicing an old technique. Uh, that's going to do it for this week's uh, Above the Char. If you want to be like Stephen, who hits me up on fredminnick.com. Also, he has an Instagram account called Whiskey by the Fire. That's a great handle. 
Hit me up on fredminnick.com. That's fredminnick.com. Hit the contact button. And if I like the idea, I'll share it on the air. Until next week, cheers. Have you tried to identify specific notes in bourbon when nosing and tasting, but just come up empty? Well, you can train your nose to find all those nuances with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. So you can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma made from chemicals. Head over to NoseYourBourbon.com and enter the code BP10 for 10% off your order. Give 270's 2020 Unicorn Bourbon Raffle is back. Your $20 ticket gives you chances at our exclusive assortment of 20 Michter's products. 20-year, 10-year, toasted barrel finish, and more. And all names go back into the pot for a chance at our grand prize, a Michter's 25-year. Tickets are available until 7 p.m. April 3rd, with a drawing at 8 p.m. on our Facebook and YouTube channels. Visit give270.org to grab your tickets. Charitable Gaming License ORG 0002703. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. It's that time of the year where everybody's starting to make their vacation plans on visiting Kentucky, the mecca of bourbon. And if you are coming to Kentucky, you need to make sure you visit us at Pursuit Spirits in Louisville. We're right in the heart of Clifton, near Butchertown and Nulu, and only just a few miles away from downtown Louisville. But when you do come, you need to book your experience to go do our whole shebang. This is the one that's really the star of the show. You get a full-on tasting. You get to do your own personal barrel selection experience. And you get to grab a whiskey thief and fill your bottle directly from the barrel. We're doing something completely brand new that nobody else is doing here in bourbon country. Plus, you get a free sweet tasting glass at the end of it. I guarantee you, you're going to end up being one of the many people that's also leaving us a five-star review. So make sure you come and check us out. You can book your reservation by going to PursuitSpirits.com and clicking the Visit Us button. Always find what you love at Total Wine & More. With so many great bottles to choose from at the lowest price, it's easy to find your favorite Cabernet or a new single-barrel bourbon to try with some help from one of their friendly guides. And with every bottle comes the confidence of knowing you just found something amazing. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, find what you love and love what you find only at Total Wine & More. Curbside pickup and delivery available in most areas. Visit TotalWine.com to learn more. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly and be 21. Welcome back, everybody. Another great episode of Bourbon Pursuit coming at you. Kenny, Ryan, and Fred here today. But we're talking with a guest today that's been a longtime friend of the show. I remember the first time talking to him. Oh, gosh. I'd have to go and look it up. It was eons ago. It had been in the first... 20 plus episodes where we talked about his brand being built and uh, you know, family and everything like that. And it's taken quite a, a journey to be able to see exactly how he's been able to build the brand, successfully exit the brand and start figuring out new different ways. And you know, he's kind of elevated himself into this position where he's being revered as, as a great blender of our time and, and a lot of cool things. And, and not only that, he's just a great person to, to sort of hang out with on the weekends too. He's 
Dixon really loves you hyping him up. Yeah, I know, I know. He needs a hype. But he will still, he, you know, for the longest time, he used to have this bit, I just make fried chicken. (laughs) Fried chicken is biscuits. I wonder if he still has that in his uh, repertoire. Maybe. Hey, I do think this is uh, the only, this may be our first third time guest on here, so. That's true. I didn't think about that. I'd have to go and I'd have to go and look at the archives. That that means something. I think you have to get like a like a lightning bolt patch or something that goes on. I don't think we've ever done in person though. He must not like us. (laughs) (laughs) He's a busy man. So let's go ahead and and we'll get to it. So today on the show, multi-time repeat guest Dixon Deadman, Master Blender. He's been doing all kinds of things in the. Uh, of course, he, you know, he had the, his brand, Kentucky Al. He went off and did his own consulting thing. Uh, I know he's had some hands and some work with Brindyama at one point, and now he's also launching his next brand called 2XO. So welcome back to the show, Dixon Deadman. Thank you. You know, as a, as a humble chicken fryer and dishwasher, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real, it's an honor to be uh, a three, three-time guest on the show. Thank you. And- and you forgot podcaster now. Now he's a podcaster. He's trying uh, well, to compete against us. Uh-huh. Yeah. You can see how high tech I am. I had to move <laughs> places because of an echo. So we'll see how that podcast goes. Oh, man. Well, like I said, it's, it's awesome to be able to have you on. Um, I was trying to look it up real quick and kind of see when the last time you were on here. It's It's been a while. Okay, there it was. Episode 27 was the All first right. time you were on. That was October 9th of 2015 is when we oh did that gosh. one. So. That was it, and then uh, number one hundred and sixty was back in August of twenty eighteen. So, looks like we we always get you lined up for the fall. I remember the first one because we did it pretty late. Like it was kind of late ish. I had been running around the restaurants. So I remember I was like up there in my my old office in the front of the inn, and and you guys were like, can you can you turn some lights on? Like we can't even <laughs> see you. Guys. I was like, sorry. I I I mean, I don't think I knew any more about it then than I know now, but. At least getting set up for a podcast, you know, you guys are way, you know, you're visionaries. We we fake it till we make it, but that's that's neither here nor there. So it, I guess the bigger question that Fred wants to know is: Are you still making fried chicken on the weekends? Mm-hmm. I, I I I am still doing the fried chicken, and my kids. We have a biscuit contest every Saturday morning, so it still happens. Who wins? Me every time. <laughs> don't let them win that's what it's like you play basketball with your kid and yeah you gotta you gotta slam it in their face let them know that you mean business that's right my dad always said i just play good enough to win son i just play good enough to win <laughs> so for people that have by by now may have not heard of you just give a quick background of of who you are and sort of how you got in this industry just for anybody that's new and listening to the show i fell backwards into this industry. I grew up in the hospitality business. We had an inn uh, in Harrodsburg, the Beaumont Inn. Been in my family for over a hundred years. The thing about the hospitality industry is when they need help in your family, you're stuck. You know, so I I was I was doing that at an early age. Went away to school. What was kind of interesting, I went I went away to school, I had to wait tables to by booze, basically. And I, I started waiting tables with at, at this restaurant, and I was really intrigued by by the wine list. There was big wine lists. There's doing a lot of pharmaceutical dinners, things like that. That really intrigued me. 
these winemakers would come in and everything. And, and you have to remember that until 2004, uh, the county that I grew up in, the town I grew up in, was a dry county. The inn, my family business, we, you know, we, we were a white tablecloth restaurant, but spent 85 years where the strongest thing we could serve was black coffee. So waiting table is kind of my first introduction to spirits, to wine. I started, I, I was asking to be on these pharmaceutical dinners and listen to these winemakers and things like that. And I really started to appreciate what I could taste and how it would taste and, and, and came back from college, was running the inn with my dad. And that legislation changed to allow us to, to do um, alcohol by the drink. But I, you know, I got, I, I was bit by the bug. I was into the bourbon. I had, you know, I got back, I was collecting things. I had great relationships with, uh, because of the, of the end with people like Jim Rutledge and, and the Russells and stuff like that. And so I was, you know, I, I kind of building out the, the, a, a new restaurant we added, uh, into a bourbon bar and started doing a lot of tastings. And, and I, I just, I mean, I was just, enthralled with it. I mean, I just, I was just all over it. And, you know, I have a little bit of that history. My great, great grandfather had a distillery from about 18, it started construction in 1876 until he was shut down in prohibition. Uh, but his adopted father, uh, which would have been my great, great, great uncle had three distilleries in Anderson County. And so I had this, this great bourbon history in my family, grew up on the property where, where they had a distillery, uh, the CM Dedman distillery in the you know, north side of Mercer County. And, and I just, you know, I thought, how much fun would it be to resurrect this brand? How much fun would it be to, to do this? And, and we looked into it. it. It seemed like it was impossible for somebody with, without the right. It wasn't the connections for the liquid. It was the connections for all the BS, red tape, and, and that type of stuff you have to jump through. I, I just didn't know how to accomplish that. I didn't know how to get, you know, I, uh, TTB, COLA, blah, 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 blah. Like, I, I don't know. I, I felt very confident I could handle the whiskey part. The other part scared the heck out of me. Insert uh, Mark Carter, longtime family friend, still one of my best friends on the planet. Mark says, if you want to do this, I've been making custom wine for people for years. He's like, my team can handle all that nonsense if you can handle the 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 whiskey side of things. And I was like, well, let's let's do this. And and it, it really, you know, it's it's one of those things. I'm 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 where I am, and I'm not sure that's very exciting for anybody other than me. But you know. <laughs> As you know, with very little planning, we never got into this saying, Hey, I want to do this. I want to be this. I want to get here. This is where we want to be in five years or 10 years or whatever. It's kind of crazy when you, when you kind of back your way into something that becomes a, a real passion project. And I mean, from that point to where I am now is, is a completely different place. A lot has happened, but you know, you just roll with it, I guess. Yeah, you're right. A lot's happened. And I'd love to be able to dig into to some of that because I'm sure there's a lot of questions that we've hypothesized or talked about for, for quite some time. So everybody kind of knows that you were the one that resurrected the Kentucky Owl name. And correct me if I'm wrong, that was part of the 
your lineage, one of the labels that your family had for a long time, right? A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so I think you're also one of the anomalies in this this realm too. It was an amazing thing to see is that when it was announced that Stoli was going to acquire Kentucky Owl, you had only done, I think, eight or nine releases at that point? Six. Six. Okay. See, even more of an anomaly. Wow. Which is what, less than 6,000 bottles or maybe 8,000? It's 120 cases, right? Uh, it's probably more than 120 cases, but it wasn't, well, I'd have to think. Because they were small yields. They weren't I remember like, like being a, a thousand plus bottles per release or something like that early on, but maybe I'm wrong. I, I can't really remember. You're making me do were. math, but. Um, <laughs> so, so, Kenny, we're only halfway there. Yeah. Since you know, like release. checked out of the Kentucky Owl days, you know, he's, you know, he's already not checked out, checked out, but like he's like. He's a he's a man on a mission for other things. Like that's one of the things that's impressed me about you, Dixon. Is like the Kentucky Owl thing happened. Stoli came in and uh, I don't want to say ruined it, but made it very differently. Do you have any regrets about about that at all, or is that just something in your rearview mirror? I don't want to sound lame or cliche, and. I'm not going to sit here and start bashing anybody or, you know, or whatever. I, I think that I will never regret what, what I did, the decisions I made. I, I think it was the right move for me. It was the right move for my family. And, and we can go into the nitty gritty if you want to. But, you know, at the time to preserve the brand, to build the brand, to grow the brand, it was the right move. It's capital intensive. Everybody knows that, that you're, you need somebody to back you to be able to make sort of stuff happen, distribution, everything. When I'm looking at moving, you know, outside Kentucky and what that, you know, what was involved doing that on my own while I was trying to run another business and and that type of thing, it was just, you know, it was, I mean, there was a glass ceiling there for, for all intents and purposes. I wasn't, I wasn't going to, you know, and, and so I, I, I do not, I will never regret that decision. I, and, and I, I had, some wonderful years with partnership with Stoli. The team was great. We had, I mean, it, we, we really did some cool stuff. And, you know, and then it came a point where philosophically we just began to disagree on, on things. And I'm, I'm going to put out the best stuff I can put out. I'm going to do the best that I can do. And I, I am also, you don't have to like what I do. You don't have to like the stuff I make. Yeah, that's, that's fine. We all have our own. But you know, if my name's on it, if my name's attached to it, if I'm representing it, I have to believe in what, what I'm doing. And I have to think that I'm doing it for the right reasons. And, and, you can tarnish your reputation or, or lose whatever faith people have in you very quickly. And that, you know, having integrity and being thought of as somebody that is, um, I don't know, th those types of things are important to me. And, and so I don't regret the decision. I had a great run with Stoli. We had a lot of fun. We did a lot of great things. It just became time for me to, you know, to move on. I think for the reasons you said is I think why you've been able to move on because you're, you've almost and not intentionally, but because you have put such a emphasis on the quality of the liquid being integrity, you know, that you've almost made your name bigger than the Kentucky Owl brand. And 
Whereas I know that's probably difficult because it's a family, you know, lineage, family brand. But, you know, when you this all first happened, I sent you a message and said, man, I'm really excited for you. You're super talented. I think you're going to do great things in whatever you do. But it, it's almost like Kentucky Owl is nothing without you. And it's lost its luster without you. And I know you didn't do that intentionally, but have you ever thought about that? Like, you're the you're the show, not the brand, I guess. Well, I, I mean, I and I appreciate that. And, and I mean, we've talked about this a number of times, but, you know, I, I mean, it was hard. It was it was hard. I mean, that that's, you know, that was I, I took so much joy and, and, and pride in kind of accomplishing something, resurrecting this brand that was my grandfather's dream, my father's dream that, you know, what we shared and, and, and doing that. But at the end of the day, you know, I got to sleep at night, you know, I got to, I got to go to bed, uh, raise my children and, you know, and I, 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 I need to be proud of what I'm doing to teach them the right things is kind of the way I think about it. And, and a brand while very important, um, is, not as important as, you know, at least to me as, you know, how I feel about what I'm doing or what I'm involved in or what I'm putting my name on or what I'm trying to build, you know, that brand didn't exist for almost a hundred years. Uh, we brought it back. It was great. Had a great time. It did some cool stuff, had some fantastic moments, but you know, my dad looked at me and said, son, yeah, the sun will rise tomorrow if you're not still involved with Kentucky Owl. You've got to be dedicated and proud of what you're doing. Well, you know, and everything everything happens for a reason. We all learn and, you know, you grew from that. But I think more importantly, you honed in uh, a very unique set of skills that were not discussed a lot uh back uh, back in your Kentucky Owl days, you know, blending was still just enough of a dirty word that it it was not something championed. Now we have two master blenders on the show here, Kenny, <laughs> and you and me, and then you and me. We're standing between greatness. Yeah. I know, right? Uh, and um, and so I mean, you were you were one of the people that um, you know, put your 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 blending costume on, and uh, you made you made it cool again. Actually, it was never cool in American whiskey, but you made it cool. <laughs> so I, I would say that Stoli time got you really understanding the business. You got to work with some great people, and you know now you are where you are. And I and I think that skill set propelled you to to all everything. And I don't, I don't think we can ever. I mean, look, I've fucked up. We've all made mistakes. I've I've grown from things. There's definitely been a lot of things I've. I would do differently in my career, but, but in just observing you over the years, Dixon doing some events with you, you're someone that you absorb and, and it's exciting to see what you've been doing. And I know you've done some consulting on the side. So those skill sets you have, you know, I've turned you into something special. I also want to commend it as well, only because of the brand is still recognizable. We, we're, we're sitting here talking about it. Like the brand's dead. It's no longer a thing. But I don't feel it's true. You know, it's gone under new leadership with John Rhea and and a lot of stuff like that. And I feel like if I was in your shoes, and maybe you feel this way too, is even when you walk by it and you see it on the shelves, there's still a little bit of sense of accomplishment 
you know, I built that brand. That was me. I, I did that. And it's still living on. I, I still think that's that's a great thing to, to still see that the, the brand is going to continue. Actually, Kenny, he sees it. And then he gets the two XO and he puts it right in front of it. That's <laughs> is that what it is? I, you know, I, I, I do, and I still. Um, that's a huge part of of me, you know, and that's that's my history. That's, you know, that was a, you know, that was whatever, twelve, thirteen years of my my life, you know. So I, I don't. I mean, I, I, I hope they're successful. I hope the brand's successful. I hope they do well. You know, I, I just it was time for me to to try to do something else what did you learn from stoli your time at stoli working with them good lord how long are we recording uh, <laughs> i i learned much more about the business you know i mean when we were when it when it was mark and i and it was kentucky only you know i i, I basically actually a funny story i may have told this on this show before but we finally got to the point of, um, you know, I was like, I, I think I got a blend here that'll work for that first release. And, and, and Mark's like, okay, um, we, we got to get this thing set up with a distributor. So I was like, okay, cool. I called my buddy who was at RNDC. I basically was like, Hey, I, I need to meet with you all. They said, okay, I walk into RNDC and I had a, a a sample of the blend in a Crusian rum bottle that I had peeled the label off of. <laughs> Hopefully, said, you, you cleaned it out beforehand. Yeah, it said it said batch one in paper that I put like shipping tape, you know, tape over. And I walked in. I sit down in front of you know the the three guys at at R and D C who were going to make this call, and they're like, you yeah, know, thanks for coming. Long story short, they're like, do you have any sell sheets? I was like, I, I don't know what a sell sheet is. And they're like, what do you, you know, do you have any information? I was like, no, nah, I, I, no, I just, and they're like, well, tell us a story. I was like, I, I'd prefer to pour you the whiskey. And they're like, well, no, we needed this story and all that stuff. I was like, well, how about I pour you the whiskey and then I'll tell you the story. And they're like, okay, did you bring glasses? I was like, no, I didn't bring any glasses. Don't any glasses. <laughs> and and I, I had like 20 minutes, right? I mean, they had to go taste some other coconut flavored vodka after me or something like that. But I, you know, they, somebody brought in some glasses. I poured it for them. It's, you know, it's one of the situations when you know people are serious because, um, in my experience, when, when people immediately start talking, when they immediately start asking questions or whatever, it's like never a good sign. They're, they're just trying to get you out of there. You know, these, uh, when, when, when they grab the glass and all of a sudden they smell and all of a sudden they're like, Oh, immediately they reach over and pour themselves a little bit more. And, and that 20 minutes turned into an hour talking about the whole story and all that stuff. But you know, then we, we launch it with RNDC and, and RNDC is just like, what do you mean? You're not only doing one batch a year. Like we want, we need more, which is kind of why we did those single barrels in 2015. Anyway, it was just, you know, it was kind of, I shouldn't say plug and play, but when you're Kentucky only, it was, it was different. When, when I, you know, in 2017, um, we only did like 2,600 bottles of batch seven, but we released that first rye and that first rye went to, I think 30, a little over 30 markets. Um, so, you know, I hit the road, was doing all these, you know, all this stuff and, and, and just understanding a lot of how the business works, a lot of how that, you know, that, that was, that was one thing I certainly learned from my experience from Stoli, uh, was, you know, how, 
it, it was an introduction to the corporate world. I mean, I, I, we were running a small family business with 60 employees and, and all of a sudden going to uh, something like that was, was definitely an, an eye-opening experience. So we'll, we'll kind of get past the Kentucky out thing. I think that, you know, this has been something that's, it was a, it was a cornerstone of your life and it was, is fantastic. And it was a, a, a really hallmark achievement of what you've been able to do, but that also catapulted you. It put you in a new realm. You went from a guy that was just making fried chicken on the weekends and slinging some, you know, batches of bourbon to becoming one of the people that is, is very revered in this industry because it was, like I said, it was a little bit of an anomaly to see that. And now once you go through your first acquisition and you start breaking out and doing your own thing, you're taking a lot more seriously when it comes out there and stuff like that. So kind of talk about after you were leaving Stoli, you had kind of talked about going into a, a partnership or doing some stuff with Brendi Yamo. Can you kind of talk about that relationship and how that formed? I got introduced to Brendi Yamo pretty early on in in the Kentucky Owl thing. I was actually introduced to Jeff by, uh, Jeff Hotmare by, uh, David Mandel when David was still at BBC. And, and I, you know, Jeff helped, you know, with the Stoli transition and then, you know, Stoli immediately became very active in acquiring inventory, you know, for me to work with, to build, to build the stuff. So I was working with Jeff throughout that time with Kentucky Allen and afterwards the entire uh, space was changing. And as you know, there was a lot of private equity investment and just investment in general into the industry. You know, everybody's like, uh, you know, this thing's going crazy. Let's, let's buy thousands of barrels for, X as new fills thinking that they're going to sell them for Y when they're four years old or, or whatever. And, and, and so Jeff, Jeff kind of said, Hey, would you be willing to act as a consultant to talk to some of these investors who are, who are strictly coming in, you know, without an interest in a brand or without an interest, you know, you know, they're just, they're just buying up production from whoever's selling and just talk to them about, what maybe they should look at, what they shouldn't look at, what's, you know, what's a good investment, what's a bad investment. And we've all had this conversation, you know, I'm, I'm probably very, I, I'm on the far more conservative side of how that looks uh, long-term, but um, that, that was really my, my role with Brindiamo is just to talk to these guys and they come in and they say, Hey, we're thinking about making this mash bill. That's 51% corn and, three percent rye and 46 percent malt and i would say hey yeah i don't think that's a saleable product uh, down the road <laughs> so you you didn't do any kind of like blending projects or batching or anything like that for 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 their clients it was just talking to investors i no, i did for their clients there were a handful that i i, I did kind of taste and give some feedback like i i wasn't I'm not sure if I could say it or not. Are we in the NPA range right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was about to I say. I, I mean, you know, but that was honestly for for a long time, whether it was on the record or off the record. I, I, I think it is a great compliment that people would come to me and say, hey, 
I'd love your opinion on this. I'd love your feedback on this. I'd love to know, you know, your just dead honest opinion on this. And, and, and sometimes, you know, but I think the reason is because most, you know, not most of the reason is because I'm honest and I'm going to say, Hey, I think you might want to look into this or I think you might want to go this direction with it or whatever. But, um, yeah, I mean, several of, of their clients and I, I had, several of, you know, people that I've consulted with directly, both good and bad, but I thought I would like that part of it more than I do. It's, it's really refreshing to be back kind of doing my own thing. Yeah. Because people have their, you know, you can tell them whatever you want, but they're still going to do whatever it is they want. You know, you don't, you don't have control over it. I think it's like a a golf swing. Somebody said you go to a, a, somebody's going to teach you how to do a golf swing and they, they show you for 15 minutes and then when you actually go out and play again you end up doing the exact same way you're doing before and you keep slicing <laughs> takes 30 minutes to get a lesson and 30 days to get over it is yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know another question I, i'm i'm genuinely curious about your thought of this as well because you were exposed to a lot of people that have money and as you said they're they're doing this for an investment purpose they're they're buying up excess capacity and there's they're just going to flip the barrels in the open market when the time comes. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. We've talked about having whiskey in his investment at one point as well. And there's a lot of people doing it. And I, I guess we don't really know what the grand scheme of things of like how many people are doing it, like how many open barrels are going to be on the market, because I'm sure a lot of people see exactly the constraint that there is today and the prices that people are paying right now. But when people are buying up excess capacity today or a year or two years from now are we going to see a flood of this sort coming on the market here in the next few years where we're not going to be paying asinine prices and that you know things will eventually soften up over time what's your what's your gut feeling on that When it's derby season, the city of Louisville comes alive, and happening on Thursday, April 11th, is the Republic Bank Kentucky Derby Festival's Bourbonville. This is the third straight year Bourbonville will take place at the Fraser History Museum. Enjoy signature drinks, bourbon-inspired cuisine, access to museum exhibits, and tons of other bourbon vendors such as Elijah Craig, Fourgate, Four Roses, Kentucky Peerless, Pursuit Spirits, Castle and Key, and so many more. General admission is only $75, and that includes all your food, drinks, and museum admission. Go ahead, buy tickets now at kdf.org for Bourbonville. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon. The farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus Magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S.com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. 
Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. I'm genuinely curious about your thought of this as well, because you were exposed to a lot of people that have money. And as you said, they're, they're doing this for an investment purpose. They're, they're buying up excess capacity and there's, they're just going to flip the barrels in the open market when the time comes. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. We've talked about having whiskey in his investment at one point as well. And there's a lot of people doing it. And I, I guess we don't really know what the grand scheme of things of like how many people are doing it, like how many open barrels are going to be on the market? Because I'm sure a lot of people see exactly the constraint that there is today and the prices that people are paying right now. But when people are buying up excess capacity today or a year or two years from now, are we going to see a flood of this sort coming on the market here in the next few years where we're not going to be paying asinine prices and that, you know, things will eventually soften up over time. What's your, what's your gut feeling on that? Is, is an avalanche bigger than a flood? Like what's, what's a big, tsunami? Monsoon, monsoon. So, tsunami? <laughs> yeah, tsunami would be the biggest of them all. <laughs> so that's what you're predicting, a tsunami of barrels? I just, I just see the, um, I just know the, the deals that, that I've, I've seen take place, the, Again, when I said I was conservative, it's because who is the buyer for for this? I understand. I understand fifty barrels. I understand five hundred barrels. I understand two thousand barrels. I, I mean, hundreds of thousands of barrels, <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of thousands of barrels. And again, they're in their mind. You know, everybody's thinking, I you know, this stuff fits four years old. I'm gonna get four grand, forty five hundred. I, I mean, can the market support three hundred thousand barrels sold at four thousand dollars a piece, which equates to a minimum of a eighty ninety dollar bottle of four year old whiskey? I, I, I mean, I'm, that's a question for Fred, but I don't see it happening. <laughs> well, I think you know we, we we talked about this on another episode. I mean, this has. This has one of those little uh, red flags for a historic word in our world, glut. You know, this uh, this could lead to to the to the glut, or it could you know can make a lot of people happy. It might not be a glut in the sense of the reason that we Same had a glut before. Are, yeah. yeah, I was like, consumers are still going to be consuming. It's going to be a glut, which will actually be great for other people that are out there because instead of the market right now is you don't really get a choice of like, oh, what do you want? Well, this is all we have and this is the price you're going to pay. So in regards of a glut coming for NDPs and other people trying to get in the market, it'll be great only because there'll be a lot more choice. But the buy, the, to Dixon's point, who's going to buy it all? You know, and I, and I just think, I think it's just, it's all, who knows? 
I mean, you're totally right. Only because we've said it before is that anybody that's a brand right now and you are sourcing, you're also putting down your own product. So the amount of you know stuff that you have to source in a few years will will decrease over time. But it will be great for spot purchases and stuff like that, too. Spot purchase is fine, but I mean, all the big guys are doubling down on their own production. So the the big guys that can move this stuff internationally and things like that, they're 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 taking care of it in house. They're not going to go to the market to you know to to buy the stuff. I mean, Beam is not going to buy a four thousand dollar bottle or a barrel to put it in an eighteen bottle or eighteen dollar bottle of White Label. Like it's it's not happening. You know, so it, it's just yeah. You'd either have to have double the amount of NDP startup between now and then, or the boom, it just keeps continuing to grow that existing NDPs who have new make laid down is not going to be enough to supply the market and it just keeps growing. But you know, both of those scenarios are hard to see, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's good to kind of get your pulse on the market too. I know we do our own set of criticizing and trying to figure out where do we see in our crystal ball of where things changing, but, you know, understanding exactly because you've been enthralled with it now for uh, quite a bit and being able to kind of be privy to those conversations, we don't really know exactly how much is out there. So it's, it's good to kind of understand where, where your head's at it uh, as well. I think there's a lot. I think the biggest thing is that, you know, as with happens in, in any industry, when you can make a buck, you know, they, there's, there's some maximization of maximization of volume at the cost of quality that's taking place, uh, today as well. And, and so, I mean, you know, it's, it's going to be even more important three, four years from now, there may be, uh, there, there may be a ton of stuff out there, but it's, it's finding stuff that's quality juice is, is also going to be pretty important. Yeah, I guess that's another question is when you were consulting about this, you know, you talked about the quality juice. Give us an example. I know you said the the mash bill thing, but is it because somebody said, oh, I'm going to go and take excess capacity at some of this no-name craft brand over here? Or is it saying, you know, I'm I'm working with this other big contractor? Is there, how do you define what that, that quality is? Again, I... I I don't have a chemical engineering degree from UC Davis. I'm not, I'm not a distiller. Uh, you could give me a distillery to run. Um, I could probably keep it running for a few days before it would explode. Um, (laughs) for the software updates and you have to figure it out. Yeah. The more, the more you taste, the more you, you know, understand, you know, certain parts of the distilling process, you understand that this, it's you put a bunch of watered down lame distillate in a barrel. Um, guess what happens four years from now? It's darker and slightly more mature watered down lame distillate. <laughs> and you know, I mean, it, it's just it's just you know where you know we're we're, we're now you know, a lot of these guys are setting fermenters much higher we're uh we're coming off the still higher our entry proofs lower all in an effort to produce more barrels because they're going to speculative investors not because they're going to a, a specific brand or trying to build a specific profile and and so you know i mean at any time you 
bump production for something like that, you, you know, you're kind of, it's sometimes it's at the cost of quality and I'm not saying that's a bad, I mean, it, for the liquid I intend to use, that's, that's not what I'm going to be, not what I'm looking for. If, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's talking about the liquid that you like to use. It seems like you've had a very, um, narrow focus on like, and on like what you are willing to use and you're very, I guess, picky and you kind of have like this ideal profile that you're looking for and it, you know, and it's led into your new things. And like, I know you've been recorded for several, you know, working with Brindiamo, you recorded for several, you know, opportunities to join their brands and be with them and whatnot. What do you like working with? I, I know, but what, tell the audience what you like working with. What's that profile you're looking for? Well, I mean, I, you know, I would say, yes, I, I am picky. But I've always felt like if I'm if I'm going to put my name on it, I, I want to. And I think that, you know, I, I look for at, at the end of the day, I look for complexity. So can I build out something that has sweetness on the front of the palate that moves to, to a spice and, and a finish on the back of the palate? And that's that's what I'm looking for. I, I've done. And, and then I like I look for viscosity. I want that heavy, rich mouthfeel. I want a big profile. I think that there are things that I just, you know, I just don't like. I remember, you know, Stoli had a whole bunch of Tennessee stuff and I was just like, first of all, I think Kentucky Al Tennessee straight bourbon whiskey may be a bad idea, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was just not. The optics it, don't make sense. There. It did, yeah. didn't really jive, uh, but, I, you know, and I, and, and, and it ended up being a great product for some other people. It just wasn't, wasn't for me yeah it's funny you say that only because you know kentucky al tennessee whiskey back then it wouldn't make sense but today people are doing they're claiming some some maryland with uh with with indiana juice uh, old louisville mgp right so it 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 seems weird to be able to see like oh yeah let's claim a a place but they use completely different so I, i appreciate the integrity uh coming from from something like that and so now that you're you're looking forward, you're building your own brand. I know it it was announced probably about a maybe a a year ago. Two XO is is the the one that you're you're currently working on. So kind of talk about the bourbon, the process. You hit a bunch of runs with Kentucky out doing a lot of double barreling. Is it that same kind of thing that you're you're looking to do or, or change things up? I mean, to be completely honest with you all, I you know I had I made the decision, hard decision, but I I I, I left knowing I wasn't done. Uh, there was a lot more that, that I thought I could accomplish. Uh, love the space, love the industry. Uh, but I am, I don't mean this the way it's going to sound, but I'm, I'm somewhat hamstrung by the fact that, you know, unless, unless it makes sense for me, I I just can't do it. I mean, I, you know, I wasn't going to just leave and, and just say, Oh, Hey, yeah, I'll come be your guy and help you do your thing. And, and, you know, you just say dance puppet and I'll, you know, whatever, like I, 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 and, and then the, you know, the consulting side of it and and doing some of that and helping some people with their brands and, and things like that, that, that really kind of reinforced, um, you know, my desire to, to get back to, for lack of a better term, controlling my own destiny and, and things like that. And, and 
I had some guys that I worked with at Stoli uh, who started, they, they left, they were all former Diageo guys. They were kind of on the bullet team and, and, and did some stuff like that. Came over to Stoli. They left, they created an agency, uh, marketing agency and they, they're all in Connecticut. And I went to them and said, Hey, I think that I have this concept, this, this, this idea, this brand, two uh, XO that I, I'd really like to pursue. Can you help me uh, design it and, and, and create, you know, some, you know, some material so I can begin to work on this thing. So they, they did that. You know, I, I, I wanted to, I wanted to create two XO and this brand and, and, and I really wanted to kind of push a, a certain amount of modernity around it. And, and, you know, and to, I mean, I, I had built a brand telling the story of what happened in 1876 and there's nothing wrong. I think historic brands and heritage brands are, are incredible, but I think there's also room in this space to kind of look forward and look at some innovative techniques and, and, and push it, you know, still playing within the rules. I, I I'm always going to play, but you know, to, to look at things a little differently, and so they helped me create this. And then, you know, the real roadblock I, I ran in, I shouldn't say roadblock, but, you know, we, we started talking to, to a lot of, a lot of people. I mean, there's, there's a lot of people very interested in getting into this industry, whether it's buying barrels as an investment or private equity ready to throw huge chunks of money at you to, uh, you know, to get in on a brand and, and, Several conversations uh, with several different people who were more than willing to stroke a big check to help me get uh, this thing up and running and off the ground. And 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 while those were great opportunities, and I, you know, I, I th- they they that opportunity is you know maybe the right opportunity for somebody else. It, it just it really didn't it didn't work for me. For for the most part, because when you're looking at at sources like that, sources of money, they've already got the back end in there. You know, it's like, okay, so here's the deal. We're willing to stroke you this check and you work your ass off for five years. And we think that if you can get it to this number of cases at this level of NSV, then with this multiple, we can go and sell it to you know, one of these big guys for a gajillion dollars and, and we all walk away with a whole bunch of money. And I mean, that, that that's private equity in a nutshell, but it, it also, it didn't, I, I don't know. It just seemed almost disingenuous to me to like try to build a brand knowing that the goal is the exit strategy. The goal is the exit. And then I've got to go figure out what it's like with, you know, and, and, that was that was a really exciting thing. I mean, I you know I I think Fred said it best. You know, things happen for a reason. I I do think you make your own luck. I think that um, doing things the right way and and, and stuff that means that stuff kind of comes to you. You know, uh, a little bit. I, I don't know, whatever. But I I was uh, we we got involved in this conversation with Prestige Beverage Group who had had this liquid they they had the foresight to start laying down barrels you know seven plus years ago uh all custom designed and they really were interested at first in in me 
kind of advising them on, on creating their own brand and, and that type of thing. And I said, well, would y'all be interested if, if I got kind of my team in front of you to show you this, this 2XO concept and what I'm looking at, what I'd like to do with it and getting back to taking different liquids, putting my stamp on them through rebarreling and moving them around and building them out and creating all these different flavor profiles and, and then blending, you know, would y'all, would y'all be interested in, in looking at that program? And they said, you know, we, we, we love the look of it. And I said, well, then do you care if I spend some time tasting some of the liquid you got and, and we see how that's going to work? And, and, I was able to get in and, and spend some time with their liquid. And I, you know, it, it was, it was match made in heaven. I mean, I, they had a bunch of liquid and I had a concept, their liquid would work for my concept. They were, they wanted to build a brand and we're trying to figure out how to do it. And it's, 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 it's just been, it's been incredible. It's been an incredible, you know, whatever, nine months to a year. Yeah. I mean, it's a, that's a great story only because it's, Almost like a needle in a haystack when something like that happens. Very, very rare. Yeah. So you find seven-year-old whiskey that was sourced seven years ago. That's yeah. Very, yeah. Talk about being lucky and just falling into and that. And I assume they have a nice, healthy pipeline, you know, following those, you know, that seven years they've continued to lay down inventory and whatnot. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's ongoing. It, you know, it, it goes all the way down. And it's, it's all that I can use and build out probably plus some. But it's it's pretty pretty exciting. That is exciting. Yeah. So, uh, can you talk a little bit more about the process and, and kind of what you're doing? Is it super secret proprietary? This is this is Dixon's method. Nobody else can touch it. No, no, no. I mean, and you know, like the uh, yes, there are plenty of things I can't talk about. But you know, I mean, I I, I want you know two XO. Uh, eventually, we'll have kind of a, a a base level higher volume fifty you know fifty market entry point and then what we're calling the blender series we'll do two a year uh one in the spring one in the fall that's what we're about to release the phoenix blend um and then you know we got one coming out in april and one beyond that and then we're releasing a a single barrel series uh our single barrel barrel series is called the gem of kentucky series it's it's a really kind of sleek and you know everything in there in all of those products will uh, will involve liquid or will have liquid, uh, that has been double oaked in one way or another. And, you know, and, and, and that, you know, it goes back to kind of what Fred was talking about with making blender a thing and, and whatever. I never have, and never intend to ever. And I, I don't even know if NDP is a bad word anymore. NDP used to be a bad word. You didn't want to be, you know, like pigeonholed as just some NDP because, I always felt like NDP meant somebody was accusing you of just give me your four-year-old stuff. I'm going to put it in my bottle, put my label on it, say it was mine. And that, that was always, and will always be something that, that I I'm not interested in. I, I want to, I want to put my stamp on it. I want to put my thumbprint on it. I want to develop it. I want to make it mine. And, and, you know, so right now this this uh, Phoenix blend that we're about to release, you know, this it's basically two different distillates, and then one of those distillates. Uh, so there's that that distillate exists in the blend in three different components: liquid from the original barrel, uh, liquid that was rebarreled in a char four American oak barrel, liquid that was rebarreled in a char three 
American oak barrel. And then, you know, I've, I've blended these four components together to create that. I always want to be able to say that I didn't just take somebody's stuff, put it in my bottle and call it mine that I, you know, I, I, I did, you know, I, I, I got it where I wanted it to be. And then I was able to create something with it. I feel it's very admirable thing because we're trying to all do the same thing over here too. <laughs> yeah. And it's much more interesting and exciting. And then, you know, cause the big guys, they make fantastic whiskey, but to have the same mash bill be 10 different brands and because it's in 10 different places in the warehouse and this and that, you know, I mean, the the blending and the rebarreling and stuff it you know you were kind of our inspiration to start our own thing but that that's where i see the future of american whiskey it's like it's like because how far can you go with just a standard bourbon mash pill and not get palate fatigued and it's like the blending aspect is exciting the blending aspect is is exciting i i, I do think and i and and this is probably off topic i mean i'd love for to, to have this conversation with fred but or get his take on this and, and yours as well. But I, you know, one of, one of the things that I, I believe is 80% of creating, you know, a, a great product is managing the maturation of that product, not necessarily the distillation of that product. And, and I think, you know, that's, that's, that's what the big brands do so well is they manage maturation uh, because that barrel, the, all those barrels start exactly the same, but they manage maturation so that, you know, one becomes a completely different profile than the other, um, solely based on how long they aged it, where they aged it and, and, you know, and that type of thing. And, and I, I would hope that, you know, as, as this develops, as, as the interest in this industry develops, I think we're already starting to see people who are like, yeah. I love bourbon and I've done the bourbon trail. Um, and how many times can you hear 51% corn in new charred oak containers? But, <laughs> you know, I, those kind of, the, you know, the opportunity to go in and say, okay, these two barrels, we're going to go taste from this barrel down here on the second floor. And then we're going to taste this barrel on the sixth floor. They were, they, they were distilled two days apart, but see how different they taste six days in or I'm sorry, six years in. And, 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 you know, I, I think that's one of the things I, I mean, I talk to people a, a lot about is, is how important maturation is. You don't just stick it in there and cross your fingers and say, okay, we'll come back to this in five years. You know what I mean? Yeah. Knowing when to pull it, when to use it. And even more so when you're double barreling and, you know, that that's, that's really an art in itself, you know, just cause those damn things you'll taste them and you're like, Oh my gosh, it's magical. And you're like, I, but it's maybe one more month and it'll be even better. And then you're like more money. You're like, well, shit, I lost it. You know, yeah. oh. <laughs> it, it went bitter and sour. Then you got to wait even more longer. And then you, it's definitely like a trial and error. It's funny, I mean, I get, you know, and now you got all this other stuff going on, all these other techniques and programs and, and everybody's like, well, if I like it right now, should I, should I give it another, another month, another two months? And I, I was like, as far as I'm concerned, it's a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush situation. Like if you're super happy with it right now, get it out because you don't know what it's going to be like in six weeks. Very true. Very true. But, you know, honestly, I Dixon, we're going to wrap it up here. This has been a, a great conversation to have you back on the show. It's, you've been 
uh, as Ryan said, a great inspiration to us and our brand. And you have an amazing story of what you've been able to do. And you've been able to capitalize on that and really spearhead not just your brands, but you know, your profile and who you are. It's it's awesome to be able to watch your journey and everybody that I, or when I when I sit there and I follow you on Instagram Ryan, and I did see Did he just get you, choked up right there? Did he get a little bit? Yeah, it's a little bit. <laughs> he dry, little dry. Bit. He's got yeah. a dry throat. <laughs> but I mean it is awesome to be able to watch your what you're doing on Instagram. You're traveling everywhere. You're doing a lot of cool things. And it's awesome to see your, you know, your wife and your kids smiling in the background too when I see those pictures too. So um I've you've you've kept your your humbleness of who you are. You're still frying chicken and making biscuits and and I think that's what makes you more personable and why everybody can relate and why you're such a great guy to know. Well, you know, I I will say this about you guys. I mean, from from the time I met you however many years ago, you know, I I, I consider you all friends first. I couldn't be happier for your success and for, you know, all that you're doing. It's been really cool to watch uh, how your empire has expanded, and I, I am truly grateful and and honored to um, that that y'all think enough of me to to have me on every once in a while, or or, or call and say, hey, what do you think about this, or um, or whatever. So I do. I think y'all, you know, as friends first, and and but I, I'm certainly always watching what you're doing as well, and 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 just really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for thanks for having me. Yeah, likewise. Yeah, it's been a great friendship and you've you've been instrumental in not just helping us learning from the blending and this and that, but like the finance side, like the relationships it takes to get in, you know, and be a serious contender in this space. And it's a like you said, it's a it's a grind and it's a hustle and it takes relationships and connections like, you know, that we have with you and we're we're super grateful that you've you've handed that all a branch to us and and we just like being around each other. You know, you're a great guy. I think we, we all, it, it's, it's a lot of fun being around you and we have great times at all the events we do together. And, uh, I'm just excited for your new thing. And I think it's going to be a home run. Well, I, you'd let me know the next time we can get together and watch your dad kill a bottle. Um, that's true. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that, that this weekend, probably yeah. Palooza 23, put it <laughs> yep. down, put it down. But Dixon, for everybody that wants to follow you, learn more about your brand, how do they do that? So, I mean, I'm, I'm at Dixon underscore Deadman on Instagram. We've got, um, two XO whiskey.com act two XO whiskey. We're kind of building all that stuff out right now, but that's where I be right now. <laughs> and the bow on it. Let's not forget the bow on it. That's right. Gotta be there. Gotta be there. But make sure you follow Dixon. And if you're around that area, go ahead, schedule a, a day at the, at the bow on and maybe he'll be there too. And you'll be able to get a chance to try some 2XO or something like that as well. It can but happen. It can happen. See, it can happen. I've seen crazier things. But make sure you follow him. Follow Bourbon Pursuit on other socials. If you like what you hear, make sure you share it with a friend and leave a review, whatever it is. Join us on Patreon. We appreciate any method of support. But with that, cheers, everybody. We'll see you next week.